0: the Lord welcome to the house of God tonight the message this evening the heavenly vision heavenly vision scripture taken out of Acts 26 19 where the Apostle Paul said therefore King Agrippa I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision the Apostle Paul had a heavenly vision God wants to give each of us a heavenly vision he said I was not disobedient to that heavenly vision now, there may be most of us tonight that are well-established in the heavenly vision. This will be a night to remind and renew our hearts, but perhaps there are some here tonight that need a touch of God regarding their vision, their sight, the motivation of their spirit. I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. What is the heavenly vision? A heavenly vision is a vision that comes out of heaven. It comes from God upon a person's life. It's not something that we can produce in ourselves or manufacture in any way. It comes from God. It has spiritual power in it. It is something that takes us beyond, and it is beyond our natural and material life. It's beyond our vocation, even as a preacher. It's beyond our Amenities it's beyond the house. We live in it's beyond the car. We drive it's beyond the vacations. We take It is a spiritual force inside of us that will impel us and drive us on Now God wants to give us a heavenly vision. He knows we need it Without vision we perish Acts 29 or Proverbs 29 verse 18 the Bible says where there is no vision the people perish but he that keepeth the law happy is he where there is no vision the people other translations say they cast off restraint they dwell at ease without vision we will falter without vision we cannot endure we need a heavenly vision we need something that's born in our spirit from God the bible says that Moses was able to endure hebrews 11:27 because he saw him who is invisible he saw the invisible one you think of everything Moses went through how could he stand how could he keep going because he had vision he had a heavenly vision he saw the one who is invisible in January of 1956 five young missionaries were martyred in Ecuador in a remote jungle area they were trying to reach a certain tribe that was really cut off from civilization they had young families, wives, and young children, and five of them on January 8, 1956, were martyred. Their bodies were driven through with spears by the warriors of this tribe, these indigenous people. Three weeks before that, one of those missionaries, Nate Saint, Nathaniel, Nate Saint wrote these words. He said, if God would grant us the vision, The word sacrifice would disappear from our lips and thoughts. We would hate the things that seem now so dear to us. Our lives would suddenly be too short. We would despise time-robbing distractions and charge the enemy with all our energies in the name of Christ. Three weeks later, his life was taken. The sequel is that that family persisted and In time, the missionaries were able to make inroads and many of that tribe came to repentance and forgiveness and came to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. If God would grant us the vision, we'd hate the things that seem now so dear to us. Our lives would suddenly be too short, wouldn't they? We'd despise time-robbing distractions and we'd charge the enemy with all our energies in the name of Christ. How do we get a heavenly vision We have to get into the presence of God and ask him. God has a plan for our life. God has a holy design. We're all familiar with Jeremiah 29, verses 11 to 13, especially verse 11. But let's not forget about 12 and 13. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope, An expectation. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. I will listen to you, God says. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. God has a holy design. God has planned. God has a heavenly vision for us. He said, when you go and seek me with all your heart, I will be found of you. And I'll establish my way in you. There was a prophet in the Bible, Habakkuk, who was perplexed. He was perplexed in himself, struggling in his emotions and feelings. He was perplexed at life. He was perplexed at the conditions in the land, the social and spiritual conditions. And he was a little upset at God's seeming lack of intervention against worldliness and against all this ungodliness. He said, I'm going to have to go up into my prayer tower and have a talk with God. I've got to sort out my feelings. I've got to get this agitation out of my spirit. In chapter 2 and verse 1, he said, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart. His watchtower, the watchtower of prayer. The Bible says, watch and pray. He said, And I will watch to see what God will say to me. And what I will answer when I am corrected. He knew his spirit was out of line. Sometimes we're agitated. Sometimes our feelings are not in accordance with the word of God. We go into the presence of the Lord to sort things out. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Habakkuk, write the vision, read the vision, run with the vision. And God gave this prophet such a vision that it kept him going for the days of his life. It kept him going into the future. It was a word from God. It set his heart free from the turmoil and the struggle of the moment, from the present life that he was enduring it set his feet dancing and he sa- he walked on the high places the high hills of supernatural victory with the lord in the latter part of his book in the last three verses he said these words though the fig tree may not blossom nor fruit be on the vines though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food Though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, He will make me walk on my high hills. You can only say those words if you've been in the presence of God and God has given you a heavenly vision, something beyond the natural, something beyond the present, something that motivates you all the days of your life. King Uzziah in 2 Chronicles 26 says, Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done. He sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. Visions of God were in the land. Visions of God were available. He walked in those visions of God. He sought the Lord who had understanding. This is in the days of Zechariah, understanding of the visions of God. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. As long as he was true to the heavenly vision, he prospered. But when he wasn't, pride crept back into his heart and he stumbled. And my, did he stumble. The Bible says... As long as he sought the Lord, he prospered, not as short. This isn't a short haul. This isn't a 100-meter sprint. This is long, as long as we seek the Lord in the visions of God, as long as we're true to the vision of the Lord, we will prosper. Day after day, week after week, Sunday after Sunday, month-long, year in and year out, as long as we seek the Lord, as long as we stay in the place of God's presence and have a vibrant and fiery heavenly vision, we will prosper in the Lord. God wants to give us a heavenly vision. God wants to give us a motivation that moves us beyond the present, something that supersedes everything in life and undergirds us through all of life. The heavenly vision of the Lord. A word from God. A motivation that comes right out of heaven itself. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6. Jesus said, but, when, but you when you pray, go into your room. Go into your prayer room. Go into your war room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in, secret, in the secret place. And the Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Visions of God, the seeing of God. Where is the seeing of God? Where is the sight of God? It's in the secret place. It's in the prayer room. It's where we get down and seek the Lord. It's in the prayer closet of our life. We can enter the seeing of God. We can receive this heavenly vision. Isaiah 61 and 3 says that God wants to give us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. There's not one of us who do not encounter the spirit of heaviness, that blanket of heaviness, despair, discouragement, disenchantment that would try to come upon our lives. The Bible says God has given us a weapon. He's given us an antidote the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Those words, the spirit of heaviness, carry imagery, and one of the word pictures is that it was used of eyes that were growing dim. Sometimes our vision dims. We don't see as clearly. We don't see as brightly. We don't see as far as we should. We're all caught up in the moment, and what we need to do is to begin to praise the Lord. God's given us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. When our vision dims, let's begin to praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord at all times. Begin to rejoice in the Lord when you're attacked by that spirit and your eyes grow dim because the Lord will renew your vision. It's amazing how praise can break the pressure of a circumstance in a few moments. If you'll just praise the Lord if we'll just magnify the Lord in the daytime where we feel that pressure constraint difficulty begin to praise the Lord and break the pressure of the circumstance renew your vision in God revelation 318 Jesus said anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see anoint your eyes with eye salve this is spoken to his church to his people Sometimes we need to lay hands on our eyes and apply the Holy Spirit vision. Apply the seeing of God to our eyes. Say, Lord, anoint my eyes. I lay my hands on my eyes to see, Lord, that I might see clearly and see your ways and see your purpose and see through the fog and see through the circumstances that I'm facing. Anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. 1 Kings chapter 19 Verses 4 to 8, Elijah, Elijah the prophet, in a time of discouragement, time where he was really down, disturbed about life and situations and ministry. 1 Kings 18, 4 to 8 says, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree and he prayed that he might die and said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. For a time, maybe he thought he was. But we all have the same constitution. We all carry the same infirmity. We all carry the same personalities. We all carry the same frame. He said, I'm no better than my father's. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. How many have found that the journey is too great for you? We can't make this journey on our own. We need the power. We need the vision. We need the strength of Almighty God in our lives. The journey is too great for us. So he arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. Elijah, so discouraged. So discouraged in the ministry. So discouraged in life. So discouraged with the politics in the land. So discouraged with the sin and the spiritual compromise. And the Bible says that he took his escape and made his way down to Horeb, the mountain of God, Mount Sinai. Now, Horeb was a few hundred miles from Mount Carmel where he just had been, a few hundred miles down through the land of Israel, down through the desert areas in the south. He just had a great victory on Mount Carmel where he defeated the prophets of Baal, Jezebel, and Ahab. And the Lord had brought fire from heaven. And now here he is fleeing. He said, I I wish I could die. Why Why did... Elijah want to go to Horeb. Why take a journey of that distance, the mountain of God? That was the mountain where Moses first led the people of Israel when they came out of Egypt. And there must have been some longing in Elijah. I just want to get back to where it all began. Seek some comfort. Seek some solace there. Sort out my feelings with God. Try and get restored and back to some vision and strength. Well, verse 9 says, And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant torn down your altars and killed your preachers, I mean prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they seek to take my life. Then God said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rock in, rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind and he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Then the Lord said to him, Go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, anoint Hazel as king over Syria. Also you shall anoint Jehu the son of Nimshi as king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. It shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazel, Jehu will kill, and whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. The Lord knows how discouraged we can become at times. The Lord knows how unable we feel in ourselves at times. The Lord knows how anxious and fretful we can become at times. The Lord came to Elijah. What are you doing here, Elijah? I wonder how the Lord said those words. Did he say them in rebuke and reprimand? What are you doing here, Elijah? A tone of disgust in his voice? Perhaps, but I think he said them in kindness. What are you doing here, Elijah? so discouraged, so downcast, so far from where I want you to be. And so far from who I want you to be. Elisha, don't let your heart, don't be discouraged by all the people that aren't serving the Lord. Let your heart get encouraged by those that are serving the Lord. 7,000 have not bowed the knee to Baal, nor kissed his image. And the Lord came to Elijah. That still small voice, that still small voice, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice, and they follow me. God has a still, small voice for us. And when Elijah heard heard that voice, the Bible says he wrapped his face in his mantle. He wrapped that calling of God, that vision of God, that desire of God for him. He wrapped his weary mind. He wrapped that mantle around his weary mind. He put that mantle over his eyes. He put it on his hearing he put that mantle on his lips and the God of heaven restored his heart the God of heaven restored his heart And Elijah heard the voice of the Lord saying Elijah go and serve me Elijah go and live for God Elijah go and serve God and serve God Elijah did and live for God Elijah did he never faltered again he went out, he anointed Haziel king, and he anointed Jehu, and he anointed Elisha, and he raised up the school of the prophets, and he set his heart to the 7,000 in Israel who had not bowed their knee to Baal, to the world spirit. And in the end, horses of fire and chariot of fire swept down from heaven and took him away. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. God wants to give us a heavenly vision. God wants to renew us, restore us, put something in us that'll keep us going all the days of our life. I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Let's have the worship ministry come. Let's look at Luke 2, 25 to 28 as we close out the message tonight. Bible says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon and This man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. You know what Israel was like in the days before Jesus Christ came? His birth, his incarnation, his ministry? It was a political upheaval. The Romans, the Jewish authorities, the zealots, constant friction. There was sin in the land. There was compromise. There was political intrigue. There was religiosity, scribes and Pharisees and religious leaders that were apostate in heart, had no relationship with the living God, and yet promoted and set forth all kinds of religion in the land. According to the traditions of men, it was a difficult time for those who had a true heart to serve God. But the Bible says this man Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for the comfort of Israel. He was waiting for a move of God. He was waiting for a reviving. He was waiting for a change and transformation in the hearts of the people and in the nation. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took Jesus up in his arms and blessed God. These are precious words. It had been revealed to Simeon that He would not see death. He would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. God gave this man a vision that kept him going all the days of his life. He had revelation. He lived in the presence of God, regardless of what was going on around him, in the nation, in the compromise, in the politics, in the disturbance, in the scuffle of life in all the emotions and feelings, in all the things that take place. This man had a vision from God. He was centered down in the presence of God. I want to say to you tonight, God wants to give you and me a vision that will carry us the rest of our lives. The rest of our lives. So that we don't falter. So that we endure. So we stay strong. How many fall away the seed of the word is in their heart and persecution arises and some are offended Jesus said and others the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and cares of the world enter in and what they become unfruitful they stumble they fall but God wants to give us a vision that'll keep us going all the days of our life will carry us right through to our going to be with the Lord or his coming to receive us Let's ask God tonight for a heavenly vision. Perhaps there's someone or a few here tonight that need a renewal in your heart. See how weak you are, how faltering your spirit is, your human personality. You know, God wants you to see that. It's not a bad thing. To see how broken we are without him to see how nothing we are without him to see how powerless we are to live a victorious christian life without him it's a good thing to see who we are and say i'm no better than my fathers i better get into the presence of god and get some vision on my life get some strength of the lord get some renewal of the lord in my life let the lord renew your heart this night let's stand together let's ask god for a heavenly vision Like Paul, confess it tonight, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. God put something in my heart and I'm gonna walk with God all the days of my life. I'm gonna live for God, I'm gonna serve God. I'm gonna walk with God and stay steadfast in spite of all circumstances, in spite of all pressure, in spite of what the world does, in spite of the politics, in spite of the raging of the nations. I am gonna serve God all the days of my life. Let's ask God for heavenly vision tonight. Hallelujah, Lord.